I want to bring you greetings first of all from the Archbishop of Joss Province and the Bishop of Joss Diocese, Benjamin Kwashi. Uh, he's known to this diocese. He's a dear friend. And he prays for you. He prays for you. We pray through all the churches. And so know that you're prayed for by a man who knows how to pray. Mm -hmm. I also bring you greetings from my parish, which is St. Piran's on the Plateau. Now, I didn't even know there was a St. Piran. But St. Piran's on the Plateau is the uh, church on the edge of downtown. When the bombs go off, we feel them. It used to be the old English church, hence the very long name. But now it is a thriving international church right in the heart of Joss City. And they greet you warmly. Uh, my Archdeacon Ephraim Gongdon greets you today. They've had their service there at home, so I talked to them on the way down, and they all say hello. But probably the most important people I can greet you from are a little hard to talk about. I greet you from the refugees. There are about a million displaced persons internally in Nigeria now, 30,000 in Joss alone. I greet you from them. I greet you from the children of the martyrs who are now orphans. I greet you from the hungry, the sick, the dispossessed, and those who have no hope but the God we all confess. They're really your sisters and brothers. And they long for a word from on high, just as I know you do. Hopefully we'll have that today. Let's pray. Father God, eternal King of glory, we come before you not in our own strength, but we come before you seeking. Yes, seeking to hear from you how we are to be and who we are to be. We are distracted. We are exhausted. We are trapped in this Chicago and in this world. And Lord, for you to speak to us, we ask that you would silence the thoughts of our hearts right now, silence our anxiety, silence our cell phones. <laughs> yes, God. Speak. Let it not be my words, but yours alone. Yes, God. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're talking about self-seeking and self-serving today, so I want to start right here. I am the Reverend Canon Doctor, Leslie Dale Martin. Not bad, huh? I mean, I'm pretty impressed. But the fact of the matter is, all that can go to hell if I'm not careful. Every last bit of that can go to hell because it's just layer upon layer of what the Lord's done through me. And, and the minute I think it's me, the minute I think it's me, I'm messed up, man. I'm lost. I'm just lost. But that's what we do. You heard today some serious stuff is going on with Jesus, some rather important stuff. He's trying to tell them what's coming, and it's not good. Remember, they don't know about the resurrection yet. So it's really bad news. It's really bad news. And further, it's bad news for Jesus, who, although he does know that he's the Son of God, is going to have to suffer. I mean, who likes suffering? So in the midst of this rather serious time, this rather heavy-duty teaching about what he's going to go through, spit on, 
couple of the guys come up. And I love their language. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Whatever we ask. It's like when people ask me to do them a favor. They don't specify the favor. They just say, do me a favor. It can obligate you to so much. <laughs> but then they go on. We want to sit at your right and your left. In other words, we want to be the important people in the kingdom. Now I get that. I get that because that could be me. One of the things I love is I'm talking to a group that looks more like a church in Nigeria. Used to be in America, I was the young guy. I was the young guy in any Anglican church. Now I'm the old guy. And it's kind of cool. But in, in my generation, Gen X, we used to be the sought-after generation. We were the people everyone wanted to figure out how to get into church. But we were also an incredibly neurotic generation. Still are. And, and the idea of importance was huge to us. Finished preaching, and you'd say, I like your sermon. I'd go, Really? Because I was so desperate for affirmation. We were kind of a forgotten generation, living in the wake of our parents' divorces. And we suffered from chronic self esteem issues. Still do. And one of the temptations we get when we do that is we want to feel important, I want to be seen. Sometimes at the end of the day, the real reality is, I just want to be seen and valued. I want to be a special person in God's eyes and in yours. And so I understand the motivation. I mean, 12 guys is just too many. I want to be up at the top. I want to be Jesus' favorite. So please, Lord, let me sit at your left or your right. Let me be as important as I know I could be. Now, some of that's driven out of pride, but it's also driven out of a deep sense of unworthiness. Please know me. Please see me. Please see the value that's in me. I'm not garbage. I want to sit at your left or your right. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? And I love their ignorance. They go, yep. <laughs> yeah, we can. No sweat. Turns out they are. They both die for their faith. But they're still thinking about looking fancy, about being in a white robe and a really cool boutique-style stole. Uh, you know, they're wanting to look kind of special, and, and Jesus is trying to link it to something else. He says those who are special are those who suffer. Those who are special are those who serve. Oh, we don't want to hear that. We come into our relationship with Jesus, most of us so broken and so afraid, so worn out by the changes and chances of this world that the biggest thing we want is to be recognized without much effort. Without much effort. And I'm not preaching at you so much. It's true of me too. We're tired. We're beat up. And, and the sense of 
like they said in the, uh, the old TV sitcom Cheers, the sense of going somewhere where everybody knows your name. Well, it's tempting. It's tempting. And I suspect it's tempting for a lot of you. I look around and I think of me when I was younger, when my knees didn't creak. And I suspect a lot of you are still trying to make a name for yourself. And that's not all bad. But you're saying, if I can just finish this degree, if I can just get this job, if I can just marry this person, if I can just get this kind of plan set aside for my retirement, if I can just do something of significance, if I can change the world, hear the language, if I can change the world, any of those, we, we collect them and we assume that one day our life will begin and in this YouTube culture we'll be famous. Maybe famous for our philanthropy and our Christian life, but famous nonetheless. That's what we want. Some of you are part of a generation that, the most charitable way I can put it, you like to start at the top. And that's okay. That's how you're built. But it's okay in the sense that that's how you're built. It's not okay in the sense that that's where God wants to lead you. Because just as with the disciples today, there's a deeper message. The closer you get to Jesus, the lower you go in the estimation of the world. The more suffering you endure, and the more servant ministry you are called. But it's hard. Like the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, we are cases in self-will run riot. I want, I choose, I decide. The poem Invictus, I am the captain of my fate. Really? One of the things I've realized as I've gotten older is I'm lucky if my socks match. <laughs> If my socks match, it's a good day. I can manage socks, not much more. And Jesus breaks us step by step by step, just as he was broken, of this desire to draw power and recognition to ourselves. We learn to suffer. Not a popular gospel topic. And we learn to serve, also not a popular gospel topic. But it's hard. The journey of what the church calls dying to self is not easy. Because we like self. I'm the favorite me I have. <laughs> I remember my grandmother singing to me as I would go to bed at night this little song. It's probably from the 1920s or something. But she would sing, I love myself, I think I'm grand. I sit in the movies and I hold my hand. <laughs> Self-love consumes us. Self-importance consumes us. I am, after all, the Reverend Canon Doctor, <laughs> Leslie Martin. Don't forget. <laughs> but... One thing we find, and I suspect some of you are finding it already as you draw closer to Jesus, is service of self, status, 
it wears thin after a while. I was lucky at one point in my life, I had the car of my dreams. And it was cool to have it. But it broke down. Still needed gas. Now I live in Nigeria, I don't even have a car. And I think it took the experience of having the car of my dreams to realize that maybe there was something wrong with my dreams in the first place. Maybe there was something wrong with my solution to feeling inadequate and broken, which was to climb up, up, up until everyone could see me. And I'd love to tell you that that went away when I converted to Christianity. It didn't. Many years after that, before the Lord lovingly and kindly beat out of me most of my self-serving. I say most, not all. I live in Nigeria now. Two bombs went off the day I left in my town. It's not a fun place to live. The work is great. Don't get me wrong. The people are wonderful. But it's not a fun place to live. It's dusty. It's hot. It's like 96 degrees hot. And then there are these bombs. And sometimes my Nigerian uh, congregation, about your age, they'll ask me, well, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I've come to realize it's because that's just where I'm supposed to be. I'm no hero. I don't like bombs, I've decided. <laughs> you know, a, a little side trip. You never know how you're going to feel about a bomb until it goes off. And I've decided I don't like them. <laughs> I'm not in favor of them. But I'm in Nigeria not because I'm some 18th century missionary with a pith helmet and a monocle. I'm not in Nigeria because I'm some hero. I'm in Nigeria because it's where I belong. Took me 15 years to realize that. And so I work and suffer and cry. And I really doubt that any book will be written about me. I hope not. Sometimes, through our life as Christians, we realize that everything we've been chasing is a lie. Or at least most of it. And sometimes we realize it because we actually get what we were seeking and we find it's empty, like that car. <coughs> we have to figure out a different way. A different way that really does attend to the brokenness, the desire to be seen, the desire to be recognized. As children of God, those are things that do need to be taken care of. Because we're God's best ideas. There's no other Father Aaron quite like Father Aaron. In fact, there's just no other. We're God's best ideas. And it's okay to want to be recognized as such. The problem is when we take the world's methods of advancement and achievement and try and apply them to that hole in our heart that only God can fill. Because when we do that, we shove career in there, we shove cars in there, we shove family in there, we shove achievements in there, and none of them really fit. They just fall right through the hole. And so it becomes this endless, endless, endless cycle 
of picking up something and shoving it in that hole and picking up something else and shoving it in that hole and nothing stays. And so the modern rat race begins. And whether we have vice president on our card or IPO success, whatever it is, it never really fills that up. And so we wind up getting bitter, difficult, self-seeking, jealous, all those things. We wind up, if we're not careful like the disciples today, saying, please, let me sit at your right hand. Let me sit at your left. I just want some recognition. Does anyone see me? The solution, friends, is not to climb higher and higher and higher up that ladder. They say in Nigeria that when you get white in your beard, you have the right to speak in public. Well, look here. So listen to me well. It won't work. I know you have to make your own journey. You may not be freed from my experience, but if you want to, to hear the experience of someone who's been there, done that, it doesn't work. Because there are no amount of things I can cram in that hole that will ever plug it. The only thing that plugs it is being who we are in God. And as he suggests, later in the passage we heard today, that comes from service and self-sacrifice. I want to point you to another passage, if you have Bibles with you. If not, I'll tell you where it is. You can look at it later. It's the passage in John 13. It's the Last Supper. Jesus again talks about being servants as the way to get ahead. He talks about how we can't be like the rulers of the world, that the solution is not to be on the top, but to be servant of all. But there's something even more interesting. Look at verse 3. I'm going to read it for those of you who don't have it. But look at verse 3. We're at the table here, right? Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Now let's go into verse 4. So, in other words, because of what he knew, something follows. So, he got up from the table, wrapped a towel around him, and began to wash the disciples' feet. And here's something interesting. Here's some hope for us. When we let the Father love of God come into us, when we let the Spirit come into us, when we really trust what Jesus does for us, well, then we know where we came from. I am not the son of a drug addict, alcoholic mother. Well, I am. But that's not my identity. I'm a child of God. I know where I came from. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I began to know where I was going. This world is not my home. I'm a stranger and a sojourner here. I have responsibilities to this world and to my sisters and brothers, but fundamentally this world is not my home. So I know who I am, where I've come from, 
And I know where I'm going. My destiny is secure. And if you're here, not as a skeptic or a thinker, but as a full participant in Emmanuel, I want to tell you, you know that too. You know where you've come from. You know where you're going. So? <laughs> so? So? As I was getting ready to go be a missionary, I worked for a couple of years in a bookstore. My job as a chaplain didn't pay enough money, so I had to have a second job at a bookstore. I'd worked at a bookstore in college. I like bookstores, other than the fact that no one tells you books are heavy. You think of it as a job where you sit around at the coffee bar all day talking about uh, Dostoevsky, where you, wear a, where you wear a bow tie and a tweed jacket. But the fact is you're loving heavy books. At any rate, working at a bookstore in my age was kind of fun because everyone in the store, including the manager, was younger than me by at least five years, most of them by 10 to 15. <coughs> Young people. It's a lot of fun. Most of them weren't Christians. And I noticed something at the end of the day. We, we had to clean the store at night. The, the doors would lock, and we had a half an hour to clean the store. And there were all sorts of tasks, dusting, sweeping. The managers would close out the... Uh, the cash registers. But there was one other task, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the toilets. You've walked into a store toilet at about four in the afternoon. It's not a pretty sight. And these young, eager people, most of whom were in their job only to get to something else. They were on their way up the ladder as I was on my way down. They all hated to clean the toilets. So, I would get the rubber gloves. And I would get all the equipment. And I made it my task for the years I was there that when I worked and closed, I would clean the toilets every night. Did not enjoy it. That's important. Hear that or you're going to miss the whole point. Did not enjoy it. <laughs> but, I mean, who is a Reverend Cameron doctor not to clean the toilet? Finally, someone noticed. Kathy was her name. She said, why do you always clean the toilets? And I said, because I'm a Christian. Hmm. She didn't get it. It didn't matter. See, when we know who we are, whose we are, and where we're going, nothing's too good for us, but also nothing's too bad for us. Paul said he learned to be content with a lot and a little. Now, I still prefer a lot. And yet I'm happy in Nigeria. I'm proud to say and, and blessed to say that at this point in my journey, God's beaten enough out of me that I'm not above cleaning toilets for the sake of the kingdom. Are you? Because here's the trick. Here's where it ties into evangelism and discipleship and growing up into the likeness of Jesus. We're the servants of the world. 
with the servants of each other and with the servants of every other person, no matter how prejudiced, how disgusting, how difficult. Just like Jesus. And so there are a couple of things we need to think about. First, if we haven't gotten the healing, if we haven't gotten the healing of understanding what it's like to know whose we are and where we're going, we've got to start there. We have to start with the healing of being adopted by the Father through the Son and the Spirit. Because until that happens, well, we're never going to be able to be true servants. Even when we serve, we're going to be doing it to say, hey, did you notice what I did? I'm pretty meek. Have I told you how humble I am? Until we're healed, no matter whether it's career or family or even service, it's going to be for self-aggrandizement, to make ourselves big men. But once we're healed, if you seek that first, and some of you may need to seek that, then we have to say, well, knowing as Jesus did where I've come from and where I'm going, knowing whose I am, that I'm an adopted and beloved child of God and there's no other one quite like me, and that we're all God's best ideas. Well, then we're free to do all sorts of crazy things like clean toilets and move to the persecuted church and set up a church in a high school. I've done this. It's hard. It's not easy. Nothing gets left. Everything starts over again. But the reality is it's, it's not easy, but it's necessary. It's needful. Here's how it works, though. In the kingdom, in Emmanuel, in your family, and in your personal life. Here's how it works. Until you're sold out as a servant, nothing functions well. Until you let go of the self-seeking, the self-will run riot, the desire for recognition, the desire for a title, the desire to be recognized by men and women is somehow important. Until you die to self at that level and just enter into the service, nothing can function. I don't know if you've ever thought about how crazy it is, but when Jesus went to heaven, he left us to complete his work. Friends, there is no plan B. We're it. One of the few things I want to ask God when I, when I see him is, are you sure that was a good idea? I don't know if I can help participate in bringing the kingdom into the world and the world into the kingdom. Half the time I'm grumpy. Half the time my thoughts don't match. But there is no plan B. It's us. And so there's this journey. We recognize, as the prodigal did, as the disciples eventually do, that we find our value, not in what our business card says, not in what our bank account says, not in the clothes we wear or the car we drive. We find our value in the crucified one who is our brother and brings us to our father. And when we're adopted into the family, when we grow up into the family resemblance, we start learning that it doesn't matter. Isn't that horrible? It just doesn't matter. I'm just a guy. 
We're just a sinner saved by grace. All those titles, whatever. The fact of the matter is, what shows my commitment to my Father, my Lord, and to the Spirit, what shows my commitment to my sisters and brothers are not the titles or the skirt I wear on Sundays. It's what I do. What I do for the sake of the body, what I do for the sake of the world, what I do for the sake of God. And it doesn't matter who knows. One thing I've come to learn is that if I ever start going down that route again, if I ever start thinking that the next thing I'd like to be is an, arch, uh, an archdeacon, or maybe I should be a bishop, maybe I could do more if I'm a bishop, or maybe I should just leave the church and, and, and start a, a, an NGO that can do what the church can. Whenever I start entertaining that line of thinking, I'm like, Lord, give me a toilet to clean. Right size me again. Because that is the danger. We can think we're too little. We're not. We're children of the most high. Or we can think we're too big. See me as I enter the room. Here I am. Christians should enter the room and say, there you are. It's okay that we have brokenness. That we have desires for significance. That we have an ache in us just to be known. But friends, God doesn't want to leave you there. And he didn't leave you there. If, if you will avail yourself of him, he will make you more than you can imagine and less than you can imagine at the same time. I really, I, I, first of all, I love the video. I watched the video for the church and I was really impressed. I want to get you all to Nigeria and teach us how to do that. But I love that you're doing deliver us. Deliver us. AA again says the first step is admitting you have a problem. Friends, you have a problem. But at least you've admitted it. We are all recovering from a false pride, a false sense of importance, and a desire to be seen. I want to tell you, just as God sees every child that passes away in bomb explosions, just as God sees every child that dies of cholera in refugee camps, God sees you. You're not junk. So relax. Stop trying and start serving. It's okay. You may find your life in the process. You'll certainly find your peace and your sanity in the process. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all authority and that he would return to God, and that all things were given to him, got up from the table and wrapped himself in a towel. He was certain. Beloved, you can be certain. You're not junk. Your resume will never convey your importance. So do the work. Do the work here. Help each other. I remember a long time ago doing this. This is hard. This is hard. So if you're not doing your part in making this happen every Sunday, well, that's a good place to start. 
Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Show up and do your job. And try not to complain. It's hard, but try not. Be a part of, in this school. Because the fact is, they're broken, hurting people who come in here when we're not in here. Be a part in the world. May sound funny, but I think it's gospel hope. Metaphorically speaking, symbolically speaking, the world is just full of toilets waiting for us to clean. <laughs> Be happy with that. Because before I made the choice for him, Jesus was already scrubbing out the dirty toilet that was me. Who am I to complain? Who are you? You'll get higher the lower you go. Every day, every time. If you remember nothing else I said today, what's your soul? I know who you are and I hope you do. I know where you're going and I hope you do. So, 